0: Hello and welcome to Psychology in Seattle. I'm your host, Kirk Honda, licensed therapist and professor. Today on the podcast, I have two very special guests, Jessamy Flynn and Jamie Bilodeau. Uh Silent T, silent <laughs> A, U, and X. Anyway, Jamie Billadu. They were students in a course that I taught last quarter titled Family of Origin Systems, Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Uh, Jinx, I thought (laughs) I would have them on the podcast to talk about their experiences of their first quarter in graduate school as therapists in training. I'm very interested in hearing what their experiences were like. But uh, before we go into that, let's get some background on the two of you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What would you like to share with Podcastland?
1: I'm Jessamy and... I grew up in Northern California, a small town called Eureka. Oh, yeah. You know of it?
0: Yeah. Isn't it right on I-5? 101. Oh, 101. Okay. So I've been through it then.
1: Yeah, right on the coast. And now I live in Seattle, and I like to salsa dance.
0: Where do you like to salsa dance?
1: Salsa con todo. Where's that? Fremont.
0: What do you like about it?
1: I like that it doesn't get too hot. (laughs) Because hot
0: dancing means sweaty dancing, which, yep. which means gross dancing. Which is means that, gross dancing. Is that gross for you, or gross because the guys are super sweaty?
1: Gross because the guys are super sweaty. <laughs> I don't get super sweaty. I I get to wear dresses, but these men, the poor things, have to wear like jeans and like they wear button downs, and I don't know why
0: yeah yeah it's so funny because you said oh it's because it doesn't get hot i i immediately you know thought oh because she doesn't want to get sweaty but then i thought actually it's probably the guys yeah no i'm good
1: <laughs> i'm good
0: <laughs> so you wanted to be cool so the guys don't sweat like pigs Cause
1: sometimes you like you know you have to put your hands on people when you dance and... yeah
0: and you don't want to feel soggy afterwards yeah yeah
1: and so so often that's the case
0: yeah I imagine even in cool rooms, guys can get sweaty because that's a lot of work. Salsa dancing is a lot of work for guys. It's a workout. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> it's a lot of physical work and a lot of mental work.
0: So I can imagine sweat is part and parcel for the... It's
1: not how I thought the podcast would go. <laughs>
0: so tell us about yourself, Jamie.
2: Um, I'm from uh, tri Cities, which is Eastern Washington. yeah, um, and I went to school at Gonzaga in Spokane. okay. And so after that, I moved to Seattle, been in Seattle for like six years.
0: Okay. My family mm-hmm. is from Spokane. both yeah. sides, my parents met mm-hmm. at Lewis and Clark, which Very is cool. near Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do you do for fun?
2: Um, good question. I have a cat. okay, that's I fun. Cat's fun. What else? School.
0: School and camp. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's sad,
2: but <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Simple pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So uh, let me ask you guys, why did you choose to become a therapist? I'm curious.
2: That's a great question. Previous to school, um, I was working at a therapeutic child care center for six years uh, called Child Haven. I've always wanted to go back to school, and I started working with that population to just see kind of what it would be like to work with kids and families. Um, And I found myself really interested in the work I was doing with the infants specifically, um, but really wanted to make more of an impact on the whole family than just helping the child. Um, Because I worked with the parents, but it really is important, I think, to change the whole system, which is why I found it exciting to try to do like family systems work. So in finding Antioch in the marriage and family therapy program, I thought that would be a really great fit just because... It works with the whole family and not just one person. I think from my own experience, too, individual therapy is great, but it's really hard to make a change within the whole system when you're yourself just doing the work, you know?
0: Yeah. Why did you want to be a therapist, Jessamy?
2: When I moved um, to Washington in my
1: last year, or right before my last year of high school began, my stepmom thought it would be beneficial for me to see a therapist, so she took me to see the therapist that she was going to named Mary Blackburn. And that was wonderful. I'd never talked about um, things or examined my relationships in that way, and I found it really beneficial, and I wanted to be able to help people like Mary had helped my family and me. so. I finished up my last year of high school in hopes of becoming a counselor and majored in psychology and tried to test myself (laughs) to figure out if I could actually handle the job and the opportunities I had to test myself were becoming an RA, so not really (laughs) really that applicable. But then I became an advocate at an agency in Bellingham called um, Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault Services of whatcom county and that was a bit more of a test (laughs) yeah it's where i learned that i also like jamie wanted to be able to do something more to be involved in the in the people's lives that i was working with in a different way because so often i feel that the community doesn't have everything that a person needs and as an advocate i wasn't feeling like i could help in the ways i could i wish i could have helped them
0: so you knew you wanted to be a therapist in high school. Yeah. And it had to do with you being in therapy and seeing how it could help you and you thought, wow, maybe I could do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you were a psych major in in your bachelors. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go to school? Western? Western. Okay. Here in here in Washington State. And then you decided to test yourself by being a resident advisor. Advisor, yeah, that's right in a dorm which dorm
1: i was a resident advisor in nash hall that's funny
0: my sister w- was in nash hall oh, many I years ago I adore
1: that everything about nash i adore it
0: yeah and being a resident <laughs> advisor is kind of like being a therapist kind of like being a big brother big sister mm-hmm. kind of like being a police officer
1: <laughs> hopefully not like a police <laughs> officer
0: well you're the person that you know might say to a, somebody hey you need to keep it down or you need yeah. to put your clothes back on or <laughs> oh my gosh you yeah. need to, you need to vomit <laughs> in the toilet not in the hall I never
1: got one of those
0: oh okay was it an all girl floor
1: no uh, well mine was mine okay. was an all girl floor um and then it alternated um every other floor and um the most fun one I got was at four o'clock in the morning. Someone had just emptied an entire can, of, an extinguisher, fire extinguisher, um, throughout the hall, and that was fun. Yeah, set off <laughs> all the alarms and yeah, it was a good time.
0: Yeah. So then, after graduating, you worked for a domestic violence agency.
1: Actually, during my last year of college, okay, that's when I worked for, or volunteered with them.
0: Volunteered mm-hmm. and as, as a bachelor level counselor to victims
1: advocate advocate yeah i wasn't ever taught any i wasn't taught counseling skills for some reason that's a a distinction that they like to make
0: so someone might come into your agency having been recently a victim or an Mm -hmm. ongoing victim of Mm -hmm. domestic violence and you're there to advocate for them and say you have rights the laws on your side. Here are some people you can talk to. And we would
1: write a lot of protection orders for okay. them, or with them, I should say.
0: Would you work with the victim to try to pump up their self-esteem and self-efficacy and power personally, or is that the therapist's job?
1: I think the ways in which we did that was mostly just believing people and um, okay. affirming their experience, which um, I was surprised to hear that so many people did not like to do for the survivors
0: right not only just people in general but sometimes police officers oh yeah yeah say
1: we have good police officers in bellingham but they would but sometimes survivors would still feel like they had not been heard or feel like they had not been believed
0: oh yeah absolutely happens all the time Mm -hmm. okay why did you choose antioch
1: i chose antioch because of um the emphasis in social justice Coming from Western, it was a really, really big deal for me to to be in a grad program that really understood what it meant to have society as a factor, um, what it meant to have culture as a factor, and oppression as a factor in people's lives, and I felt like from everything I heard about Antioch and everything I read, Antioch really got that. Um, I didn't want to just be a one-dimensional counselor. I didn't want to be a naive counselor. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Antioch certainly tries to emphasize social justice mm-hmm. and diversity and culture and understanding how those.
1: And identity. And, yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Ours, our clients. Uh, why did you choose uh, um, Antioch?
2: Similar uh, with the social justice component. Um, I felt the mission was similar to Gonzaga, which I really enjoyed going to. Um, And then I also just wanted to go to a smaller school Mm. because I've applied to some other schools and looked at a lot of different ones. And it was really important to me to be able to form, like, close relationships and connections to people, Mm. my teachers, advisors, friends, uh, classmates, colleagues, all of that. And I felt like that would be a really good fit for me. Mm larger schools are really overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And I just feel like it's not as personal and I would rather have like smaller classes and things like that.
0: Yeah, one of the nice things about working at ENIOC is I mean, in some ways we're a large school and in some ways we're a very small school, so it kind of mm-hmm. depends. But for me, it's really great to be able to work from beginning to end and the end never mm-hmm. ends with with many students from Uh, open house to interviewing to family of origin first quarter to other classes in between to case consultation at the end. And then I supervise a lot of people that graduate or at least stay in contact with people and then consulting and then working alongside and colleagues. And some of my uh, ex-students are now supervising the interns that I'm supervising. And so it's just one big, you know, ongoing thing. And since I stay friends with people on Facebook like you guys I can stay forever connected to students you know and to be able to uh, see how things are going for people and we're all in this together as I've said many times that there's not this separation between me and students we're all therapists and we're all trying to help social justice what else why else would you choose Antioch I'm just curious if there was any other reasons
1: I wanted um, my professors to be therapists themselves That was very – I didn't know I wanted that until I read it on Antioch's website, but then I was like, I want that. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that they actually require us professors is to have a practice, a a Mm -hmm. part-time practice. Monday is our clinical day. You might notice we never teach on Monday. Um, Why else would you choose Antioch?
1: This is silly to say, but I just really liked the vibe.
0: When did you experience the vibe? Was it when you stopped by or talked to someone on the phone?
1: While looking at the website. So I guess Antioch has a really good website designer. Okay. Uh,
0: Okay, so you went to the website and it felt...
1: I felt like I could make a home at Antioch and network at Antioch and feel accepted.
2: Okay. I didn't feel intimidated by it, I should say. Okay. But impressed. Okay. I thought the classes looked really interesting and applicable when I was looking online at the website. So that was big for me. I also like the website. (laughs) (laughs) Just because there's a lot of information on there, but... When I looked at the courses, they all looked really interesting.
0: Why did you choose the couple and family therapy program as opposed to the mental health counseling program?
2: Just like I was saying from my own experience, I've gone to therapists for a long time. And it's interesting to look back on that and look at what I know now and look at what could have been different for me had I been more aware of a different approach or perspective because I felt like it was kind of looking at my problems or my issues versus, like, what else is contributing to these issues. And so it's really interesting to look back on that and be like, what if I had known everything I know about, like, the family systems and just taken that all into consideration? How would I have felt differently about myself and what was going on for me? Jessamyn? I think it might just be as simple as
1: families are really important to me and the success of families is just really important to me.
0: And your perception of the mental health counseling side was that they didn't emphasize families as much, obviously, as the marriage and family therapy side did. Yes. For me, it was Paul David told me in open house or told the group an open house mm-hmm. back in 1995 that marriage and family therapists can work not only with individuals, but mm-hmm. also with couples and mm-hmm. families. And I found that to be exciting by implication, the mental health counseling side is to some extent limited to individuals. Of course, mental counselors can work with couples and families, but they're just not trained as much as marriage and family therapists are. And I found that to be very exciting. I thought, oh, I definitely want to work with individuals. Absolutely. But how great would it also be to work with couples and families? And that was attractive to me for other people when they hear about You can work with couples and families. There are therapists that will say, I do not want to work (laughs) with couples and families. And that's a good way to kind of decide, right? If you don't, there are some people who just say, I I don't like that. I don't like the prospect of that. I want to work just with one person. That's much more understandable to me, much less chaos, because that's true. Family therapy, couple therapy, much more chaos, much more excitement, much more variability. So is that one of the reasons why you chose it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I am a big believer in um, in an individual's ability to change their circumstances, so I am very excited to work with individuals um, as well as families. But I think that empowering individuals to work differently within their systems can be very powerful, and I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah. The wonderful thing about being a couple and family therapist is – Someone can come into therapy and complain about their spouse or their family member, and you can say, you know what, let's bring that person in, let's, let's have a conversation, and let's hear their side of the story, and let's try to work this out, and let's try to make your relationships better, rather than just having one person that is potentially stuck in complaining. Now, that's not all, always the case, obviously, but to witness relationships— being changed and satisfactory and loving right before our eyes is such a wonderful thing. We don't have to wait for the individual to go home and do something. We can have something happen right there, and to have them cry and hug each other and you know have this wonderful moment is you know just a wonderful thing to see and to be a part of. And everyone wants that. Uh, you just have to unplug that. That plug, you know, and, and that stuff just comes out of people in my experience. Anyway, another tangent. Uh, okay. So I am curious about your experience of your first quarter at Ennio, not only in the class that you were a student in with me in, in Family of Origin, but also just in general. You've, you've come a long way. You've applied. You, you know, you're finally here. And I, I'm just curious as to what your experience was like in your first quarter.
2: Yeah, I'd say it was definitely challenging in ways that I wasn't necessarily expecting. It sounds kind of funny. It's like I think that I thought going into it since I had done some like work on myself before that it might not be as hard in that regards, but it was almost like learning all the material and the concepts brought it to like a totally different level than I was expecting, um, which was really good.
0: You'd done a lot of personal work and therapy prior to coming to graduate school. So in family of origin systems, there's two main things that we do in the class. One is to learn theory, to learn how to use them, learn what they are and how to use them. And the other focus is to learn how to apply them to yourself with the effort of learning about yourself, learning about where you came from, where your family of origin system as a child came from in terms of your grandparents and how all that leads up to today in terms of your own issues with the hope of having the students become more aware of themselves so that when they're a therapist and they're working with clients, they are aware of their hot-button issues, their unfinished business that might come out with their clients, because it often does, not to get rid of it but to be aware of it and to not let it blindside us because when it blindsides us, that's when – it becomes worse than when it doesn't <laughs> uh, for instance say if you have an issue with criticism from your childhood and a client criticizes you if you haven't if you're not aware of that vulnerability or you haven't wrestled with it to some extent you might become very hostile with a client and write that person off and say well that client da da da, da. Whereas if you are aware of yourself and say, oh, that's my hot-button issue, they're criticizing me, I know that this is an issue for me, I'm having a visceral reaction, I have an urge to be hostile with this client, but since I've done a lot of personal work in Family of Origin and and other classes and just in therapy and consultation— I am going to try to figure this out. I'm going to table this these feelings for right now. I'll finish the session, then I'll go consult and think about it, and I'll think, okay, that's, that's right. And I can come back to a compassionate place with that client. So that's just one of the millions of examples that, that might happen, and family of origin is along the lines. So you're saying that when you were learning those concepts, it was a new angle at self-discovery.
2: Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting. You almost have to, in order to like learn the concepts – put yourself aside in a way to be able to like apply it and then but then you realize like all the things that you're doing (laughs) so it's really interesting because you start becoming so aware of all the things that you do but I also thought one of the biggest things was just like looking at the family so the way the progression worked was like looking at the family and all those kinds of things and then looking towards your own stuff and so for me it's brought a lot of compassion towards my family and just like looking at how that evolved for them and then also looking at some of the things that I do that are exactly the same almost as what they do and it's like when it's yourself it's like oh that's me doing that and so it's and when you look at like your family doing those things it's like i can see where they where that came from now and it makes more sense so i can be more compassionate towards that versus getting upset or blaming or whatever because i know why maybe that happened like it's a transgenerational pattern or whatever so it's very interesting to look at that progression at least it's been really helpful i think for me
0: yeah it's such a it's such a multifaceted thing when you talk about that i think of so many different things one of which is the wisdom that comes from being able to understand the other side of the story you know when when we're growing up and when we have our complaints about our family, we see obviously our side. And when you go through this class and maybe other work that you've done, you begin to see it from the other side, from the side of your parents. You know, When you investigate their childhoods and what they went through, you begin to see the seeds of maybe some of the issues that they had and how that played a role in, in the family system that they created. Not that it lets them off the hook per se, but it just puts it into a context and helps us to understand why people do the things that they do. In our society, we tend to look at people as either sick or evil. If they're doing something bad that we don't like, there's something wrong with that person. There's something evil about them. But when we start looking at people more closely, a more helpful and I think more accurate perspective is that people are, you know, a part of a system, they're a part of a society, they're a part of a history, and they have issues as a part of that. It doesn't let them off the hook from having responsibility for their actions, but it helps to understand them a little better. And being a therapist, that's, that's a huge part of being a therapist, is being able to understand where people come from. And from there, not only compassion can take place for people that traditionally are you know sort of vilified, but also we have the beginnings for how to help them. If we know what sort of context contributed to their issues, we know how to help them. So, uh, Jessamy, what was your experience like in the first quarter?
1: Um, I was surprised because I was the youngest one, it seemed, in all of my classes. Um, So it felt like I was just drawing on the wisdom of everybody that was older than me, which was cool in a way. But also, it was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. (laughs) um
0: that's interesting I didn't know you were the youngest one
1: yeah I'm just a baby I'm like 22 years old
0: are there any other I think there are there's
1: one other I think in our family of origins class yeah okay yeah one other baby
0: (laughs) (laughs) mostly everyone is 30 to 40 I'm guessing
1: I haven't asked everybody 25 to 40 40, yeah. yeah it made me feel like okay I must be in a good program so um and I felt very supported by people that were older than me felt very accepted by them especially in the food class Um, family of origins class
0: well you certainly you didn't seem young if that makes any sense i mean you were a leader in in class and maternal often
1: i think it was a good environment for those traits to come out in me because i did feel so supported and did feel so comfortable as far as the workload um like jamie was saying it was it was very overwhelming Um, i'm working full-time i've never really worked full-time before just mostly part-time jobs in school so i would not do any schoolwork during the uh during the weekdays and then i would just get everything done on saturday <laughs> which isn't the best way to do things but it's what i had time to do with that class schedule so um there was that adjusting like trying to find balance
0: how many classes were you, were you taking just two okay family of origin and systems okay yeah. Were you taking systems too?
2: Yeah we were in the same class. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so your experience was a lot of work. You were working full-time which is difficult to do and take classes mm-hmm. but people do it mm-hmm. and so you were doing a lot of studying on Saturday and what else was your experience like?
1: Well I got a family out of it. That was nice. Uh, the family of origins family <laughs> is what we call ourselves. I feel like I have people in my life now that I will have for a very long time in my life and that I enjoy spending time with and bouncing ideas off of and engaging in parallel (laughs) self-discovery.
0: Yeah, you guys really formed a good group that was Mm -hmm. supportive and there for each other and likes to socialize together. And it was really nice to see that because as far as I know, nobody knew each other Before coming into class, Mm -mm. and there are sixteen of you, and in the be, it felt even in I don't know early like week three when we were in that weird classroom. Remember when they? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I just remember feeling like, oh, this this group feels like it's coming together somehow. Mm -hmm. Like like the people are gelling well, and. Uh, supporting each other and and there's a good vibe to this group so
1: yeah we all had um I was so nervous in the beginning to get a consultant because I thought it was going to be this process like oh my goodness we all have to like pick each other like like dodgeball (laughs) 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 like and someone's gonna be left out it's gonna be a mess and it's gonna be horrible but uh but I say all that to say I could have been a consultant a partner with anybody in that class and and felt good about and felt very good about it
0: yeah Right. One of the things that we do in the class is you pair up with someone early in the quarter, and pretty much every class meeting, you will talk amongst yourselves with your partner and share everything that you've done over that week, which has to do with a lot of personal investigation and writing about your own issues and you know thinking about your own family and very vulnerable information that you've done in these assignments. And you're sharing that potentially all with your consultant, uh, and you get to know each other in a way that other people might not ever know you in some ways. And it's, you know, supportive and you learn from each other. And so I will have during the first class meeting, we'll, we'll mention it to people and say, think about who you want to pair up with. But inevitably, what happens is it pretty much just comes down to who you happen to sit with during the second meeting. When I ask you guys to pair up with somebody. (laughs) Uh, So, so it's hard to, you know, it's like, in some ways I want people to choose someone that they want to work with. But on the other level, it's like, well, how do you do that? You know, and it's, it's we didn't
1: even hardly know each other.
0: Right. So to some extent it becomes kind of random, but uh, if everyone is participating well and well-meaning, it, it It usually works out for for the best, and sometimes odd matches are very interesting, you know what I mean uh people that wouldn't normally befriend each other end up befriending each other and becoming very close over the span of the quarter. so what was your experience like with your consultant jamie
2: um it was i mean it was pretty cool because i I think right from the first week it was like I can't remember which exercise we had, but it was something the genogram, I think. Mm. So it was like we had all this family history details, and it was just like, okay, share your, like, genogram. And initially I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know how I can talk about this. And I was just like, well, just do it. And it didn't feel super weird because, I mean, I think, like you said, everyone in our class is so nice and honest and compassionate. that It was just like, this is what you do. And so I think right from the very beginning meeting, just sharing all that stuff made me feel like I had a safe person in the class to like share with which was really nice to get to like know you'd go every week and like have someone that you felt comfortable sharing with um so that was pretty cool and then I like also I think you mentioned it one of the weeks I had found someone in the class too that was like really helpful for me to like talk with like every day just about all the things that were going on just because like I have friends outside of the program but they have no idea what it's like to be in that specific program so it's really hard to understand what I'm talking about when I talk about projective identification <laughs> they'd be like what <laughs> so it was really helpful to have someone within the class that um, I felt like I could just say anything all the time about how I was going crazy writing my paper or whatever so I found that to be really helpful um, I tend to work better with like a one-on-one type of a scenario so it was really helpful for me to just have someone that I could trust and bounce things off of I wish I had gotten closer to the whole class like earlier on because I think I would have felt more able to like express things because I do work better like I said one-on-one but um, it was nice how we did do some things socially together to kind of break the barriers and break the ice somewhat so it was like
1: We can actually be friends. Yeah, like we all have
2: really (laughs) similar things in common, and yeah, it was just it was cool how the how to like watch the progression over the quarter.
0: Yeah, it was nice to see. Were you referring to when I was talking in class about having someone to talk to every day? Yeah,
2: yeah. So it was funny because I'd been doing that. Like I don't even know how it happened, but it was just kind of like I think it's helpful too when you have people in your classes that you have several classes with. So it was like I had my consultant who I had in several classes, but then. I also had Beth, who was in our class that I was in a couple classes with, and I had just, like, started texting her about random things or using that Gmail chat thing, which is really cool. And it was just, like, I just started, like, communicating, and it was, like, just that, feels that, the nice. The Antioch Gmail chat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the Hangouts thing or whatever. It was just helpful to have someone to talk to about things to just kind of, like, let it go and move on in order. Because it's so, I like worry about things or like ruminate about things. And it's like, if you don't have someone you can just talk to about it, you just like, stir. I don't know. It's interesting.
0: <laughs> well, I'm really glad you're saying that because that is a very important thing to me as a professor that students don't let those questions simmer or stew mm-hmm. that that they ask them yeah. and of someone, particularly me, mm-hmm. uh, because those are, are often questions that are easily answered by me, one. And two, even if I don't answer them that well, it can really get people unstuck. When you have a a simple question, like how do you reference blank, it can really halt the learning process because Mm -hmm. you're stuck on this idea. And being able to ask other students, like even things like, the thing I said in class, was that stupid?
1: (laughs) Yep, yep. Uh,
0: (laughs) And to hear them say, yeah, kind of, but who cares? <laughs> or no, it wasn't stupid or whatever. Just kind of like yeah. a check-in with, with, with another human being just to get that perspective. That, that, that check-in with someone else is extremely important and so helpful. And without that, learning, like I said, comes to a halt. People get really bogged down in these easily answered questions.
1: I relied on my therapist a lot. Um, I wish I would have talked to people in the class a, a lot more a lot earlier I didn't, I didn't, I was not proactive (laughs) like that. Um, But my therapist was very, very helpful um, to me throughout the, throughout the program.
0: Yeah, I'm interested. Sometimes I wonder if therapists hate me uh, because, (laughs) you know, the the students are in therapy often and and we require it. So uh, they're often in, in therapy when I'm, you know, when they're in my family origin class. And I'm always wondering, I wonder what their therapists are thinking about what I'm having the students do because it's, you know, it's quite related to therapy and be, and can potentially mess up a treatment plan that a therapist might have for that client. So I, I'm curious, did your therapist say anything about that?
1: She thought everything that I was writing about and reflecting on was very helpful. I think our relationship was I would freak out about something that I was learning in class or I would be processing, is a better way to say it, something that I was learning about myself or about my family in class, and then I would just take it to her and we would go off of that. I felt like she was just letting a treatment plan happen organically through whatever I threw at her, but maybe not. Maybe she had the the treatment plan all along. I don't know.
0: Did you accelerate in your therapy at all? Oh, yes.
1: Um, I've never, um, I've had, it'll be three therapists now. I've never been able to just throw myself into therapy and be so honest and have so much material at the forefront of my mind or be in such a place where I can really be honest with myself as much as I have been as when I have been taking this class and learning all the things that I have been
0: Yeah, it seems like it would accelerate things because every week, especially for the first seven or eight weeks, I have some pretty intense assignments that you do. Yeah, you do. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, you would just write a couple papers and that would be that, but I don't like to do things that way uh, for a number of reasons. But I have people from week one doing assignments every week, and it keeps people focused on the class. There's no week except for maybe the last week where you could just say, I don't have any family of origin homework to do this week, so I'm going to concentrate on other things. There's really, <laughs> there's really no no point in the quarter that's really like that. you know. And mo- like I said, most of the, most other classes, there's probably weeks, several weeks where you could just be like, I'm not going to do anything in that class, or I'm not going to focus on it that much. But anyway, every assignment has to do with you and your history and your issues and your family and your parents and your – current relationships and everything from how you love each other to issues that you experienced as painful as a child and you are reading material and you're applying it and I'm seeing you do all this work and I'm just thinking, man, this is a lot of intense personal work that these are these people are doing. And normally when you're in therapy, you go to therapy and you go home. But in this instance you're spending, you know, maybe your entire Saturday investigating yourself and doing a lot of personal work. And I was just, it just makes sense that it would accelerate therapy just based on that alone.
1: I've never been a procrastinator before, but the emotional aspect of this work made me like really resist it for a long time. I'm like, I don't want to go there. Uh, My feelings don't want to go there right now. So I think that might've also been why (laughs) I uh, saved it all for one day because I just had to get it done. Mm.
0: So normally, With schoolwork, you get it done right away and don't procrastinate. But with this, because of how intense the emotions were when you were doing the assignments, you would put it off or would you – another way of putting it might be you have to wait until you have the time and the space to really go into it. Like a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night for an hour isn't enough time. To really go into yes,
1: it. so like I I would normally just work on things little by little and get them done, but for some reason because of whatever issues I might have, I was really forced to confront a lot of um, a lot of my past and a lot of my issues, and I just didn't want to have to do that little by bit, little by little. I just wanted to like get it all done in one fell swoop, and mm. so that's how I worked.
0: Yeah, yeah. What else was it like in class? Any specific moments that? that pop out to you in Family of Origin?
1: So there is a moment I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I don't even know if I have a tissue. I, don't have a
0: tissue. <laughs> I have tissue.
1: It's so funny. Now like now I'll announce like before I'm going to <laughs> Your cry. Like I, gonna 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 cry. <laughs> like I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> like, and it's very straightforward usually I think I'm gonna cry. Like someone then help do. me get the tools to help me cry like a <laughs> tissue. <laughs> Oh please! Thanks. That's good. I like that. I did it with my mom, and I think it surprised her. She's like, like oh. "We were just in the car, just talking about something." I was like, "Mom, I'm gonna cry." Just <laughs> like a okay. warning. <laughs> uh.
0: Well, when you remember the moment, it's it's emotional for you, as it is for me. I tear up a little bit when I think about it too.
1: Do You want a tissue?
0: Um, yeah.
1: There's a moment where Christy was talking to a man in our class about um all the things that she would want to say to her biological father and it was just heartbreaking because i felt like it was it was amazing in um to see that type of vulnerability and i was really honored like i was just blown away like in the moment that i was getting to witness something like this and just thought she was so brave um not because not because she had anything to prove to us or anything that she would be scared about talking about, but just so brave to even face those things and say those things that she was saying um so I just felt um very connected to her in those moments
0: in that moment when Christy was talking to another student, but he was playing the role of her father, and so she was saying everything she wanted to say to yeah. him yeah. It was incredibly powerful for me as well, and I was right next to her and was just blown away by what she was doing, and she just seemed so vulnerable but confident at the same time.
1: It was really beautiful. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and Jessamy, you were sitting in a way that you were facing Christy as she was talking. I mean, you were right over the his shoulder, and... And you were right over his shoulder to me, too. I could, I could see you as well. And I could see you crying.
1: It's me just losing it, yeah. But you I could see Jamie losing pulling. it.
0: <laughs> Jamie, you were right behind me, so I couldn't see you. But, but Jessamy, I knew you weren't losing it in my – that wouldn't be the word I was using. You were feeling it. And you were – now I'm going to cry more. But you were in the moment. You know, Christy was having a moment, and you were with her in that. And it was real. And there, wasn't, there was no way around that. And to have any other reaction, honestly, would have been distancing or trying to get away or something, which would have been totally your right to do. But it was a very intense thing. And to some extent, given your role in the class, it made total sense that you were the person who responded to, to Christy. You yeah, know?
1: thanks for giving me the space to do that.
0: Right. So I asked the class if anyone wanted to say anything to Christy. That wouldn't be a normal thing that I would do in that moment, but it just felt like... It had to be done, and you stepped forward in a really leadership, compassionate, maternal, caring position to be and just said it beautifully to her in a way that I don't think anybody else could have. I mean, the the things you were saying to her about—I don't even remember what you were saying, but yeah, I just remember it was perfect.
1: Yeah, I think we got a lot closer that night. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, it felt like something had happened. What was your— observation of that moment. What was your experience?
2: It was very, yeah, raw and vulnerable and beautiful. You know what I mean? I mean, it was amazing to watch that exercise, but it was amazing to see one of our peers being so open and honest and being able to have everyone watch that and witness that and be with her. So that was awesome. And then I think for me it brought up a lot of the countertransference stuff that we've been talking about in the class so I was (laughs) I was responding to what she was saying in like relating I feel like in a compassionate way but then also it was just bringing up a lot of stuff for me and my own stuff so I think I was having like reactions on multiple levels so that felt really intense I guess yeah but good and then we did the empty chair in our head after that and that was really hard too yeah but I felt I felt like it was Very fitting for that night.
0: Right. So I walked everyone through an exercise where I had them close their eyes and relax and imagine whomever they wanted to imagine sitting across from from them in a chair. And then when they opened their eyes, the students, I had them open their eyes. and, And normally in therapy, you would have them actually talk to the empty chair. But instead, everyone wrote down what they wanted to say to that person. Usually people would choose someone in their family, someone important to them, that they had a lot on their mind they wanted to get off their chest. And again, everyone doing tremendous work. I I don't even know what's happening. I see everyone writing and a couple people talked about their experience. The, The reason for this, again, is to have people learn firsthand what it's like to do therapy and what it feels like to be on that side of things. But also to get to know yourself and your own issues, because there's nothing more revealing than when you do an exercise like that and really get into it and really feel in your body what your unfinished business is. You know, it's like, oh man, you know, I have a lot of emotions. There's one thing just to say, yeah, I have this issue related to my family. It's another thing to feel it in the moment and just be like, oh my god, I have, I have some serious vulnerability here, as everyone does, and to be real about about that, you know. But anyway, so you did that exercise, and you're saying – what were you saying about that?
2: Oh, I felt – I mean, that was really impactful for me, that the empty chair exercise. I'd done something similar years ago, but I think it was really interesting to do that. I think it was the day we turned in our paper. Yeah. And so I was, like, feeling a lot <laughs> already from that. And so that was – I think it just – summed up the night while well in just like this really emotional place, but like digging deeper into those feelings rather than like just put them away, you know? Yeah. Which I feel like is really important. So that exercise I feel like has been really helpful for me in like moving forward.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought about it till just now that you spend all quarter going in deeper and deeper and then just prior to that week you it all culminates in that last paper for you, right? And then we had that meeting that night. And some of you were probably working on the, like, on okay. the paper right up until the class time, <laughs> so you're in the midst of it. And then we had that class time. Yeah, must have been quite a crescendo of emotions for everybody.
2: Definitely. I mean, the first paper was challenging in its own way, but like the second paper to me was what really did it because it's like your own stuff. It's like the other ones, like you're looking at a lot of your family issues and the trans, you know, the patterns and everything. Which was hard, but that paper, I don't know, something about it. Yeah. So I felt like that was the point in the quarter that was just really everything kind of hit. And I think that's what I really made me aware of what I need to look at more mm-hmm. to be able to, like, move forward. And what I, I'm, like, have been looking at all these books to try to get more information on, like, all those, you know, unfinished business issues. But, yeah, I think that particular class was, like, where everything just hit. <laughs> 'Cause I was already really emotional from that week, like just dealing with all that. And that's why it was really helpful to have people that I could talk to in that process because it's just a lot to do on your own. <laughs> yeah. So I Absolutely. think you have to have people and it's hard to reach that point where it's like, I don't want to burden someone, but it's like you it's like that reciprocal helping relationship that is so helpful and beneficial. Yeah.
0: And other therapists are perfect for that job because they know what it's like, sometimes other people don't want to hear us complaining or processing on a daily basis the way that we do. And as I've said in class a few times, we need someone to talk to every day, which seems excessive or burdensome, but really it's not, in my opinion. It's something that is human about us. We need that. We need that check-in or that support or just someone to listen to us on a daily basis. And a lot of people don't have that. And if you depend on your therapist once a week, that's great, but it's not enough.
1: I guess as long as it's reciprocal, that that doesn't seem excessive. What do you mean? As long as it's like a give-and-take checking in as opposed to just like, let me like tell you everything that's going on in my head and then like...
0: Unless that is what your relationship is like at that moment or yeah. that's what is needed or something. The reason why I'm being a little oppositional is because there's this idea in our culture and among givers like us that we shouldn't burden other people with our problems. But that is usually not the way that other people experience it. Other people don't, some people do, but most people don't experience it like, oh, you're burdening me. Most people experience it as...
1: It's an honor to be... Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it feels good to help someone. And and it's not hard to listen <laughs> if you know how to do it well. It it doesn't require much e- effort or energy, and it feels good to listen and to help, as we should know. And so when we give e- other people that opportunity to help us in that way, it, it benefits everybody. Now, again— it depends, and there are different kinds of relationships, and you don't want to take and take and take if that's what the relationship is like. But if you're going through a particular tough quarter and that one person doesn't have a lot of stress in their life, then it will be a little one-sided. And when you're in graduate school, that's what it's going to be like, particularly when you are in your first couple quarters and when you're in your last few quarters. That's when the the stress really is centered around And you need to burden other people and you need to call in those favors. You'll give back one day when they go through their things. But for now, you need that support because you're going to go through a lot. Uh, Your self-esteem, your emotional issues, your unfinished business need to get out of you and need to be listened to by someone who cares. So that's why I'm a little oppositional about it necessarily being a give and take.
1: And I'm realizing that it's just my issues that are... It's my counter-transference. Is that a correct use yeah. of the word? Mm-hmm. It's my counter-transference that's making me oppositional to your opposition.
0: Yeah, meaning that you have that common therapist value of being independent and not not depending on other people or not burdening other people.
1: Yes. To be a burden is very bad. Right. <laughs> it's taken me a long time. <laughs>
2: to get where I am now. It's true. Yeah. It's hard.
0: Right. Yeah, I hear it from from lots mm-hmm. of people and in my own head that mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't want to burden that person. Yeah. But I've never heard anyone say to me, stop burdening me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've only heard people listen or, or yeah. I mean, I've only heard people say, well, thanks for telling me that. I'm really, I'm really, it's really cool that you told me that I didn't know that about you or something. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. in all likelihood, they will have stuff to talk about from their own life and we can listen to them and it can be reciprocal. What else would you like to say about family of origin? Anything else?
1: If all teachers are like you, that would be cool. Oh, really? I yeah. thought you were
0: going to say, if all teachers like you, I'm going to...
1: I'm dropping out of the program. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I'm going to need more therapy or something.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, but yeah, but that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, right? If all teachers were like you, who pushes as hard as you do, I would need more therapy. Like, I wouldn't necessarily be ashamed of that.
0: So I you experienced me as someone that was challenging you a lot.
1: Yeah, challenging, but what I was going to say was that I also experienced you as someone who affirmed us as a class and individually a lot. Um and you really created that safe space for us to explore and to to share. Yeah. So from day one, you're like, it doesn't, you're going to feel really inadequate for like the first 10 years of your practice, like starting now. <laughs> and, uh, and that was like, great. I do. Yep. But, it's, but that's how it's supposed to be. And, and then you just continue to like affirm us and encourage us in what we were learning and kind of took us each individually, like where we were at.
0: Thanks for saying that you're being nice and kind to me
1: I'm being honest
0: I I really feel the insecurity and the pain that everyone goes through in our profession particularly novice therapists and feel really bad about it because it just shouldn't be that way you know and if only I could convince novice therapists to not feel bad about it. If only I could take that away or a little bit, then I will feel better (laughs) because there's no reason for any of you to feel insecure or inadequate or bad about your inadequacy or deficient or something. And it's inevitable that you will because it's such an ambiguous career. There's nothing to hold on to. There's no rules. There's no book to just tell you what to do, and there's no way to know what you're doing. if there's no way to know if you're doing it well. And so it's incredibly important to me that you let yourself off the hook, particularly in your first quarter. And I've experienced those insecurities myself. and so I know what that feels like. And I wish that more people had said that to me when I, when I was starting out. And so it, it's based you know largely on that. So, yeah, thanks for saying that. It's nice of you to say.
1: Yeah. Now in other classes that I go into that maybe have teachers or professors that aren't as sensitive to that area, like I'll just choose to remember what you were saying <laughs> to us instead of taking whatever.
0: And and I think it's not that they don't care. It's that they might not remember what it was like or something. That And that's one thing that I've always really tried to remember is that just because it was a long time mm-hmm. since I was in master's school – doesn't mean that I will forget what it's like. And I and I, I remember being a student myself and just getting the sense that some of the more experienced professors had forgotten what it was like to be completely ignorant of everything and and to be extremely yeah. afraid and insecure. And almost naturally insecure because it's like, well, who am I? I just signed up for a program. How do I know I'm gonna be a good therapist? I have no what gives me the right to say I, I can be a therapist? Just because I signed up for a program that doesn't mean anything. And so to remember that, that the 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 greenness of of students. And I some of my professors I remember would teach me the way that they would teach me stuff that they were thinking about at their level of career, having been in the field for twenty or thirty years, and they would speak to me like I was one of them and I would think, I'm not like you. I am I have no idea. I have I've I have barely security enough to show up to class and you're telling me about some fringe issue that like I'm just freaking out over here, you know? <laughs> and so I I really try to remember that and Try to tend to that, you know, because like I say in class, that insecurity and that anxiety is counter to learning, is counter to growth. And so I tried, and I felt like I really hammered it well this quarter uh, because I talked about it often. (laughs) Jesse, one time in class, you raised your hand, and I was like, You kind of had this look on your face. I was like, Oh no, what she's going to say. And you said, (laughs) You said, Kirk, you seem like
1: I feel like you think all of us are fantastic. Oh, right, 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 right. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, yeah, that was it.
0: And I was like, I do, I do, I really do. Yeah, because I was talking about how noble you are to have chosen the career that you have, right? And so, yeah, but anyway.
2: Oh, it, was, it was nice to be able to email questions and get a response, and I felt that from all the professors at Antioch. So I feel like that's really helpful, just to be able to ask things and people respond.
0: Yeah, and in the, in the traditional way, you would have to show up during office hours to ask questions. And that's a pain in the ass. (laughs) I mean, one, to just show up at their particular time and to hope that no one else is in there and to have to deal with the intimidation of sitting in the professor's office and to have all your questions articulated well. And, you know, whereas it's two in the morning and you have a question and you can just shoot me an email and i might even be up at that point <laughs> and respond uh again it's at that moment when you need to hear it you know mm-hmm. you you have the question then because you're working on the assignment then and you can't wait till next week to have right. a sit down you are one of the frequent emailers yep <laughs>
2: it's like because i can <laughs> because I, can. <laughs> I was like you know it's funny because it's like It's something that I've kind of learned over the years. It's like, well, I may not be able to ask it in class, but if I have a question, it's okay. It's a question. (laughs) You should be able to ask it, you know. And so it's like one of those things that kind of like you were saying, it's like I struggle with a little bit. It's like, well, no, I shouldn't because I should know. And it's like, you know what? No, just ask and then you get an answer. It's like, there you go.
0: Right. And it's so relieving to just get an answer even if it doesn't necessarily make your life all that much better it's just like i asked the question and i got an answer that's that's that feels good
2: and someone heard me yes that's like huge i think
0: and they didn't say what's wrong with you that you would ask that question yeah Yeah. (laughs) they responded as if it was a good question you know like okay i'm i'm on the right track here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of emails have to do with, am I on the right track? Mm -hmm. A lot of people say, am I on the right track? And that's great because if people are going to learn, they need to have that check-in now and then. Mm -hmm. Any advice you have for other applicants or new students?
1: (laughs) Don't have a, don't have a full-time job. Okay. (laughs) Try not to.
0: How many classes were you taking?
1: I had two classes.
0: Because it's too much work.
1: I don't know. It's hard to tell what's too much because we're such resi- because people are so resilient. I think if at all possible, just try to work part-time or mm-hmm. not at all. Mm-hmm. Um because for me just because of the emotional vigor yeah. of the class. Um not not even just the workload which was, you know, substantial but handleable. Just like you have to give yourself a place to breathe. I think my one complaint is I wasn't since I was working so much I wasn't given the chance to really um, digest some of the things Mm. that I was learning as to the extent that I would want to. And I I digested a lot, but I, um, especially in our, not in the food class, but in the systems Mm. class, I wish that I could have delved a lot more into the types of theories we were learning and and felt like, and, and get a handle on them a lot more than I felt I was able to.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the emotional outlay. A lot of people will, They'll figure out their schedule and they'll be like, okay, well, I could work X amount, which will give me X amount of free time to do schoolwork with. But what they don't account for is the emotional yeah. energy that is spent. One of the things that happens when we have interns is they will say, well, uh, interning is about a half-time job, maybe a two-thirds job, so I could work you know quarter time or something or half time and you know not ever have a social life or something yeah <laughs> and and so it works out time wise but the emotional issues of being an intern is so much greater it feels like two full time jobs being an intern even though it's really only a half time job it feels like a double full time job and it it blindsides a lot of interns and so i i'm often telling people to Take that into consideration. There's something about working with clients for the first time, and you're working with some of the most difficult clients you're ever going to work with, with some of the most difficult histories, and it's a lot to hold on to. And you need that downtime just to kind of veg to recover. And if you don't work that into your schedule, you can very quickly become overloaded. So in your first quarter, me you're saying that even though you were only taking two courses, uh, working full-time... It felt like too much for you.
1: It felt like a lot. Yeah. It felt like a lot, as it should feel.
0: And if you take less courses or work less, you could have absorbed more.
1: Yes. I think that it's – I'm not going to say that it's not doable or that I was miserable um, because I wasn't except for the very – Uh, first couple of weeks I was I was like I don't think this is gonna work out (laughs) but then but then I think people like I said are very resilient and uh, um, tend to adjust but if you can avoid adjusting to something that at first overwhelms you and just not overwhelm yourself in the first place if that's financially possible like I say that that is a good thing and it doesn't mean you're lazy it just means that
2: you are you have self-care on your mind Mm. as a priority
0: Any advice to new applicants?
2: Um, um, I took three classes, but I wasn't working, um, so slightly different. I was still kind of transitioning from my job and kind of needing to process all of that um, since I'd been there such a long time. And I found three classes without working even to still be kind of a lot just based on the, the emotional stuff because you can plan your time so that you can get everything done, but you can't necessarily plan when you're actually going to be the most productive because you can't just be like, I'm going to sit and write this. Like, I would have to reflect and think a lot before I could just do it. But it was definitely doable to do the three. But it was interesting for me taking three together, the ones that I did, because I felt like systems and Foo kind of went hand in hand, which was nice, like learning the theories and doing that work. And then it was interesting to take the communications counseling with it because it was like I felt like I could be applying a little bit of what I was doing, even though I felt like weird to be doing that already. It was like interesting to get to utilize some of what I was learning, so it was kind of cool.
0: Any other advice that you advice. might have?
2: Um, I didn't have a therapist, but I feel like that would have been really good, um, just because for the I guess the family of origins class especially would have been really helpful.
0: So you're recommending that people, people do
2: have one <laughs> before they start. Yeah, I think that would have been good. And what else? I mean, it's hard to, like, find a balance until you just can do it. So it's like you just have to do it and figure it out. (laughs) But trying to be compassionate with yourself, I think that's hard, but it's important.
0: So making yourself a priority in a way that you might not normally. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: And one of the things that you said in class, getting enough sleep was very important (laughs) because you just can't do this if you don't have enough rest like I don't know that I made a huge priority which was hard because that wasn't something that I was used to but it was like I couldn't maintain the focus to be able to write these papers or do this work without having enough rest so I definitely get enough
1: sleep because it's stuff that like your brain has been trying to hide from you (laughs) for like so long (laughs) so it gets even better that when you don't have any sleep yeah
2: it's just too hard
0: Yeah, and I also mentioned in class, I believe that getting enough sleep is an important thing for a therapist because we sit in a chair and listen to people talk all day, which is very easy to doze off if you were sleep deprived, even just a little bit, take it from me. So not only is it just good for the soul and the body, but it's also respectful to our clients to be well-rested. And drink lots of coffee, just joking. <laughs> uh, so, <Yeah. laughs> so I'm glad to hear that you, I'm glad to hear you actually adjusted because normally when I talk with people about sleep, you know, they nod their head, but they go, but I, who has time for sleep? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. i you know, I, I can get by on five hours. I'm i I'm one of those people. And I, I always think, well, maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you just have had a lifestyle where it didn't really matter that you were mm-hmm. sleep deprived a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- being a therapist, you can't get away with that. It will take a toll. Not only just on your soul, but also you'll notice yourself nodding off a lot with clients, and we just can't do that, you know. So you got to be very well rested for that not to happen. Mm -hmm. Exercise, uh, all those things. And I notice when I don't get enough sleep and when I don't exercise and when I don't eat right, I feel very different when I'm sitting and listening to clients. Mm -hmm. So.
2: Well and the classes are late too, so you have to get enough sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I just got promoted to a play, to a position where I get to make my own schedule. So now my latest That's class awesome. is like six thirty. It's gonna be amazing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, our class was from <laughs> seven, 7
0: PM to ten PM, which <laughs> might assessment. shock people as it as it probably should. And I often choose that slot because I I feel like it's a challenge to try to keep everyone awake. If you notice, I switch things up quite rapidly. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I can be a little long winded, but usually I try to switch from activity to activity because if it's one thing that students have trained me, is that if I don't do that, I start seeing we eyes are going to fall asleep. closing. And, yeah. So, uh, and plus it's funner that way for me anyway. But any other advice that you have for students?
2: Just get to know people. Mm-hmm. as soon as you can <laughs> how, how do
0: they do that though i mean you know they come well, they don't like, know anybody it's
2: funny because i think initially it's so funny i mean i remember seeing people at like orientation and like all the different things but i think just like making a, an effort to reach out to people because i think often people are like well i don't need anyone i can do this on my own blah 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 and it's like these people are going to be with you for a long time in this program so i think it's getting over that yeah like stigma of like I don't need anyone to help me or I'm going to be fine on my own or I have friends, but it's, like, different. These people will understand what you're going through because they're going to be in it too. So I guess just, like, making the effort to reach out because everyone that I've met, like, all this, are so nice. Like, the the population in Tear, I don't know how that's possible, but everyone's so kind, I think, which is really cool. So it, And everyone's, like, willing to support open you, up yeah. and, yeah, support you. So I think it's just... Taking those opportunities.
0: What do you do to do that? Like email
2: yeah share with them your (laughs) deepest,
1: darkest secrets on the first day of class. (laughs) That would help. Be vulnerable, like really, really
2: early on. I don't know. It's it has to happen, like organically.
0: Because now you guys are like hanging out all the time. It seems
2: we're like best friends. You guys are
0: like (laughs) having parties and and.
1: I just hung out with Harry last night.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just imagining. Say, you know, you're a first quarter student and you're. You don't know anybody, and you want to reach out, but you don't want to be creepy and bother anybody. So it's like, how did how did that how did it evolve with you guys? I think
2: I just emailed someone a question about something, or to another just student, talk to someone, yeah. And it just was like, oh, and then it just started, and then like I said, it's helpful if you have people in this class, different classes, but asking questions I feel like is good. If we had had a thing at the beginning of the quarter. That would have been good, I think.
0: Like just, a social thing? Yeah.
1: We did have the study sessions, though,
2: and that's oh, what yeah. really
1: did it for me. Um, study sessions. We don't have tests. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> the editing sessions. Oh, yeah. Um, is, that's just reading people's papers and being, like, mm-hmm. floored. Um, like, okay, I'm going to read about your trauma, and then I'm going to edit this paper, and I'm <laughs> going to edit your trauma. And, uh... <laughs> I think that's what really um, opened up the friendship doors.
0: And you guys did that as as your own thing. Someone must have said, hey, let's get together and have a study session around papers. I think it
1: was Alicia who invited people over the first time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then Aaron the second time. Okay. And then Harry had a Christmas party.
0: (laughs) That's right. It seems as though your group, the 16 of you, were very... Extroverted with each other and mm-hmm. took that upon yourself. Because I can think of other classes where, I mean, definitely people come together, but not in the way that it seemed that you guys did. And it seems like the socializing was mm-hmm. a big part of that, mm-hmm. which makes total sense. I mean, if you become yeah. friends pretty quickly, it changes the vibe of a, of a classroom.
1: When you find people you can cry in front of, that's something yeah. very... Um, unique. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to capitalize on that.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I told you guys, I'm still friends with some of the people that I went to Antioch with in the nineties and still very close to. And so it's good to have therapist friends, I guess. All right. Anything else?
2: I guess one thing that just came to mind is, well, within the, the food class is letting yourself go there and like dig into those issues rather than like avoiding dealing with the things you don't want to because it will be very beneficial because it is really hard i mean i think it would be easy to kind of do like a surface level i'm going to kind of investigate but i mean it's just so eye-opening i think what you can do and what you can discover that it's worth it even though it's really hard
0: in class i think i said if you wanted to you could be very surface in this class, mm-hmm. and you'll pass. And I'll probably not even know because I won't know what's behind yeah. all that. And that's fine. That's that's your option. Mm-hmm. If that what feels good to you, that's great. But it, it could be so much more beneficial to you if you use this opportunity yeah. to dive into things that are going to help you. And mm. that will be on you. That will be your motivation. You will have to voluntarily go there, and you don't have to. And uh, you're saying that it really helped to go there. Yeah.
2: And I think just like one of the biggest things for me over the years is like being able to sit with those really hard feelings. And I think it's easy to want to just like push that away, especially if it's something that's one of your tendencies. But to just really sitting with those feelings that are uncomfortable and hard and really utilizing the concepts that you learn, putting them, applying them to your life and your family and everything. I found it to be really helpful.
0: Yeah, it's one of the great things about being a therapist is uncomfortable feelings are, are stock and trade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and being able to sit with those feelings and to feel practiced and competent and supported is a wonderful, liberating experience to some extent. It's like, okay, right now I'm, I'm feeling very uncomfortable <laughs> and I'm feeling, I'm feeling very insecure. What's mm-hmm. going on for me? And you can talk with your colleagues about it, and you can think about it, and you have all the support around it, and people will welcome those conversations. I imagine in other cultures, other professions, they're not quite as receptive to you saying, you know, Joe in accounting is really touching some of my buttons, (laughs) and I really just want to sit down and talk for the next hour about what that experience is like. I imagine that. There, some professions really aren't into that, but we certainly are. Yep. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining me on this podcast, Jamie and Jessamy. It was really a great conversation. It's been interesting. Each group has had its own feel, and you guys have your own particular feel to you guys. A good feel. Oh, that sounded funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not what I meant, of course. Uh, all right, well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there in Podcast Land, and take mm-hmm. care of yourself and get good enough sleep, yeah. right? Yeah. And take care of other people too, because mm-hmm. if we all take care of each other, we can make the world a better place. And thanks for joining me, you guys.
2: Thank you.
1: You're welcome.